Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Oh, never working. Right, so you talk, talk me through it. So you go zero guard. Just before we do, Alex, I think your um your sound is a bit low. Hold on. Is that any better? Oh, lovely. Buttery. I'm just going to hold this here for the whole time. It's a bit. It's a bit close, I think. But okay. <laughs> This, Welcome this the to the locks. propane podcast where you are inside Alex's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, should we start? That, should we start with the sea shanty? To see the name of the ship was a bully of tea. The winds blew up her bowed up down below my bully boys blow. Everyone oh, feel better. What percentage of the day is that in your head, Johnny? Um upon that starting and you started it yourself so you knew it was coming it wasn't a surprise but you were very excited I'd say it's a consistent so like baseline will be like 15% of the day and then sometimes I'll hear it in you know like on social media or the news um, like well, while, my girl, while my girlfriend's watching Dancing on Ice I don't live in England what is happening on the news that they're now using shanties so shanties are now like they're so popular and so many bands are doing their own version of a shanty that it is like hitting it's quite hard actually to go a week without hearing a shanty the so i have a really specific problem at the moment <laughs> this is going to be weird when <laughs> so when when you're on night shifts you get into a weird mental state and you're so much more susceptible to earworm. And so the preceding 24 hours before a night shift and during the whole period, you have to be so careful with what gets into your head because it, it can become an earworm. Like sleep deprivation for some reason just makes you get stuck with like the last song that you heard at Ooh, the time. So what, what's been the worst one? So uh, the the Weller Man was a big one, um, but sometimes you'll just be listening to something on the way into work and be like, "Oh shit, no! Like, I better skip that." Uh, well, too late now. That's going to be just in the background of my brain for the next seventy-two hours. Do you think it's made worse by listening to it, or better? I think it prompts it. It's like the lead domino, isn't it? And then your brain catches hold of it, and you're like, "Oh, come on, brain! Too late." That's used to saving lives to what? By Cardi B. Yeah. <laughs> there is also. I just, have... just check the check the vitals here from the top. Make it drop. Driving you this thing. Well, I think TikTok um, are very good at picking songs that induce earworm on there because like they've created these iconic 
like well that's um, a bit of a chicken and egg one isn't it like yeah it's true the audience that picks the earworm not the talk that ticks itself yeah <laughs> it's kind of viral songs that infiltrate now the other thing since we're on video is i got this as a youtube review piece of content to come in one month is that a new a new handle for a squash racket that's wrapped up and you have to wrap it around and then are you re-gripping your squash racket it's a good guess alex any advances on that <laughs> I, I think i know what it is i've been served ads for it which might tell you something about my personality i think but i think it's a jaw strengthener yes oh, oh god I, i've seen the ads for that as well have you, they're relentless with the ads so i've seen some ads as well and i actually got i think they sell for like 70 dollars. obviously i got this on aliexpress for about three quid but you put it in your mouth and it's meant to improve how like relaxed your jaw is because it, mm-hmm. as it gets stronger it's more able to to also relax supposedly um i think suppleness of the jaw and it can affect your face shape as well i don't think it's going to have a dramatic one because i've got a, a beard but well, that's the I've, thing the real test would be shaving the beard off to then see the effects that's true um <laughs> But I'll, I've taken some pre-photos and check back in a month. Three sets of 30 every day. 30. Just the same, the same volume every day. I, I think I'm going to progress it. How do you think your form is? Well, that, that's it. it. It's funny, isn't it? Because you, you, you suddenly are like, oh, hang on. How do I program this training, this muscle that I've never done before? I mean, it's going to have to be high reps, isn't it? High frequency. Bind muscle connection. Yeah, like slow eccentric, good range. I would track the RPE, and when the RPE of the final set dips to uh, seven, then add a modifier. So I either add tempo work, paused work. You have, have multiple pauses, like pause, pause at the peak contraction oh, nice. halfway. So we can then title the video: "I applied advanced powerlifting concepts to <laughs> the jaw exerciser." It's when you when you drive past Yusuf's window and he's got chains coming out of his mouth and the band wrapped around his head and boards here and boards like fast speed tracker connected like hooked in, but he'd have a massive jaw, wouldn't you? It'd all be worth it. Huge. I wonder what mass you can add to a jaw. I guess we're going to find out in Yusuf in a month's time. Well, the, there's there's a lot of stuff coming out recently on. Um, I think I don't know if you call it orthodontics. <laughs> So there's a guy called Dr. Mike Mew who's a dentist and believes that over time we've become more accustomed to soft foods and it's changed the shape of our faces because we're not chewing things as much. Oh, that's a like... fucking angle, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and so his whole... Th- and, and to be fair, he looks... His face is such a square and he claims it's because of the, the resting tongue position in his mouth. Because if, if your tongue's always placed on the roof of your mouth, every time you swallow, it applies like 20 pounds of pressure and trains all of the muscles under your chin. So he's got like loads of before and after photos of people that either had teeth that weren't growing straight or um, like a, you know, the little, it's not a double chin, like they get a little bleb under pouch. the chin. Pouch. Mm-hmm. And they've just fixed their pouch. So should your tongue always be on the roof of your mouth or should it be... So according the, to him, it should be on the roof so that you're not just like 
I still like podcasting quite hard. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where someone asks you a question like that and you suddenly think, I've got no idea where my tongue is normally. There's a really horrible... I'm going to find it and put it I in I like to hope that it's in my mouth. <laughs> People that's, where I usually, that's where I place a bet would be in my mouth. constantly in my mouth what were you going to say so something that's horrible I'm going to put it in the show notes uh, it's a someone who basically oh here we go is it a photo that you can send Alex and I so you can get the reaction it is a photo um, God. it's a list of stuff that was saying Oh, I'm gonna have to find it now. It basically says, like, you are now aware of your breathing. You are oh, now no. aware of like the tongue position in your mouth, and it just you are now aware of X, Y, Z, and you're just like, oh, it, and it just suddenly opens up like fifty tabs in your brain. And then your brain had to turn off because of an error. Would you like to report to Apple? Had to had to close the Wellerman tab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's not that's not a tab. That's a that's the iOS. That's the software that everything's running on. The Wellerman. And well, when is he coming? <laughs> the Wellerman. Hopefully, he's coming soon. Wellerman twelve point two. Oh, here we All go. Right, what are we doing? Are we doing Bear Bull? Bull Bear. Yes, Bear and Bull in the fitness barbell. industry. But I think it's pronounced Barbell. I don't know. Nice. The Bear Bull. The babble. Hit the babble. Babble, babble rose. Babble rose. That's brilliant. Babble complexes. Babble periodization. Right. <laughs> right. Let's. Well, guys. Right. Okay. So, are you bearish or bullish on jaw exercises, Yusuf? I'm bullish. The, the the principles hold up. I think, for the sake of a three pound bet, I am willing to accept that. If you train any muscle, it's going to get bigger and it's going to have more capacity to relax. Would tongue hypertrophy issue? I don't get. I don't get the relaxed bit. So the idea is that, like, if you have a muscle that isn't that is weak, um, the resting tone has to go up to try and compensate for the things that. It, so for, after a spinal injury, part of the mechanism of like having chronically tight muscles is that. The, the muscle isn't innovated as well and so it, it cramps up so I had a physio tell me that the reason why I get I have such a trochanter problem, my banter trochanter is the um, so I get like left hip pain when I do lots of training volume and I've always assumed that it's because it, I, I'm not flexible enough on my left hip and actually he was saying it's the opposite, you have too much mobility on your left hip because the like the the lateral area of my hip is, is weak relative to the muscles surrounding it, which means that it's constantly like going the whole time, which which is why you create the feeling of pain. So like stretching, it's not going to do anything because if anything, it's too relaxed. It's like too, or it's too weak and you're stretching is not going to strengthen it. So he's got me doing like Pilates basically, which I'm, you know, is a, a real ego hit and I don't really want to talk about it again after this. So don't ask me about it, but that I just thought that was an interesting uh, to kind of improve the Related. resting tension. Yeah. Well, to improve I mean, the strength and the size of my left hip. <laughs> I think what we can do is just, just quietly bank that um, Pilates mm. comment and bring it up. Later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, Pilates, bear or bull?
Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Flat. <laughs> so the I market's ranging on, on Pilates. Moving sideways. It's difficult because it's not, it's not new, is it? Pilates has been around quite a while, which suggests that... What's that law? The Lindy effect. Lindy, yeah. Like, it's probably going to be around for some time. But will it increase in popularity? Mm, I think Might it'll do. morph. It's going to turn into new things and become rebranded or integrated into new disciplines. I'm bearish on Pilates. Interesting. Because it was originally a rehab tool for sol- wounded soldiers in World War II. And okay, this knowledge. It was some kind of doctor that, that came up with it, but it wasn't intended for like toning it wasn't you know it's now just been kind of continued as something that it's not supposed to be i'm sure it's become adapted over time but i think it needs a rebrand it just needs a complete refresh and looking at the whole thing and saying okay what is this for let's start again (laughs) (laughs) clinical assassination of pilates as an offering it occurred to me as you were describing that we should define bearish and bullish. Oh God, yeah. So we we've just launched into a a new series without any context. But for people listening, <laughs> we thought we would go through and dissect fitness concepts in a series that we now call Bear or Bull, which is basically: Are you long or short? Or would you buy or sell stock in that particular concept? So. If you have any suggestions for the next episode, let us know. What's bearish? What does bearish Bearish. mean? So if you're a bear, imagine a a bear swiping down with its claws. That's what the Wall Street will refer to as like a downward movement in price. And then bullish is the horns going up. So it's also like the the shape of a bear as a bear is walking. Like a bear doesn't walk around like this, does it? Bear walks around like this. That's true. Whereas a bull, naturally very upright, points up, bear points down. I love how just arbitrary the terms are in terms of where they get their names from. <laughs> so what's worse is that they have dovish and hawkish for yeah. the interest rate movements. I don't, I'm not sure I know which one's which one's which on that. Dovish is up, hawkish is down, but like... The hawks go down? they just say uppish and downish? Well, have you seen as... black hawk now? I mean, you know, oh, no, God, yeah. That's a hawk going downwards. Bit of it's a helicopter. What's helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's difficult about that is that normally the Black Hawk isn't down, which is why the film was so exceptional. Because on that occasion, on that occasion, it wasn't up; it was down. So, are you bullish on Black Hawks or are you bearish? <laughs> I'm bearish on Blackhawks. I think they'll, they'll release something new for the military to deploy. Oh, fair enough. It'll all be electric. People will be teleporting. Let's think of something relevant. To yeah, the, what so, difference? personal training on Zoom. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I, I'm so bearish on that. Why is that? Me too. Um, because I well, so if there was going to be something that would not designed for personal training, number one, 
So even if online personal training with like a face-to-face connection is the, you know, even if that becomes the new thing, which I also am bearish on, which we can go into in a little bit. But like if one-to-one sort of face-to-face stuff, then there'll be a different platform designed for it in a better way. You know, like, I don't know if you've seen the, again, maybe gimmicky, but you know, like the, the virtual gym mirrors and stuff like that. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about those. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. Like Very the expensive. Fitness mirror thing. I think that is a, like, if we were going to go down that route of that's how you get personal training at home. I mean, again, that's quite limited by price and affordability. So maybe Zoom sessions are. But it's just like, it's limited because the effectiveness is based on the production quality of the person who's being trained. So I don't know how you can expect your clients to have a good setup where you can train them at multiple angles because you really to get the same effect as in person you know as a personal trainer you walk around someone and look at all of their angles now for them to do that live on a zoom class doesn't really make any sense because they have to do the exercises so unless they have drone moving around them <laughs> i don't see zoom as being the best way to deliver in a face-to-face online context you know actually if you had a doggy cam, you know the ones that you get to like monitor your baby or your dog that you put in, you put in your living room. Mm-hmm. Probably the best thing because you can stick it in the corner, top top corner of the room, monitor you. But in general, I am also bearish. I think it's highly correlated with lockdowns. Yeah. So as soon as lockdowns go, people will be craving the personal touch. And I think, um, yes, we've we've all had to make do with this kind of zoom class thing but at the end of the day doing a yoga routine in your living room compared to going to an actual class like i don't think there's a comparison it's like filling a a a gap in the market that didn't as you said it didn't exist prior to prior to gyms being closed like online people think that's online training because it's personal training delivered using the internet but when gyms are open again who's going to want that service like who's that market we, yeah, we should are... clarify as well that when when we say we help online coaches, there there is a difference between an online trainer and an online coach. And online coaching isn't going anywhere because it's the big picture strategic help with someone long term that includes the the knowledge and the accountability and the strategic planning for someone's diet and training. But doing a live class with someone, it can work, but you're not leveraging the power of the internet by by doing that. We work with people who do both and have kind of done a hybrid model. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm bearish. What about Peloton? Or like, what about things that are home training that are technically done? Like, so I think Peloton, have, for obvious reasons, had a pretty record year. But stuff that's like still home training, kind of got this live class aspect to it but it's not quite done over Zoom. What do you think? I think Peloton's overpriced. I think there's two tools called Zwift and Kicker, which are both very startup names. Aliexpress version. What's that, Alex? Aliexpress version. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like you go on the startup name generator and it kicks out like... (laughs) Dot kicker, yeah, and it's kicker without the second e as well. Um, but these are cheaper and more realistic tools that you kind of that mimic um, 
riding a bike and they they alter the the terrain the, the terrain experience like the, the difficulty and they track all your stats and your all that kind of thing um that we, we're going to hit a point of culmination where all these kind of home training tools are going to emerge as a market leader peloton's very clever but what they've done is they've taken existing technology and managed to rebrand it quite cleverly into something that's with a big markup the same way that facebook portal have done that with a webcam like it's just a webcam in your living room but they've somehow managed to brand it as something new whereas really it's just a mark it's a, great having a little a little look into your living room yeah and so arguably an iphone is the same thing there is a markup now, I know that both of you are like, oh, no, I love my iPhone. <laughs> Don't say that. It's the ecosystem. You don't understand, Alex. I get that. But you just bought into the story of it. Peloton. Oh, no, it integrates my thing in the heart rate tracking, my whoop band. It's crazy, man. All this stuff, it goes together. And, like, so, oh, there's a different level of necessity for life function and in business and in life. Like, you don't need to cycle on an electric thing. You do need to have a method of communicating with people, and there's a bit more flexibility with an iPhone. But in terms of the markup versus, like, an Android, I don't say it's not exactly the same, but there is a, there's a level of story and brand power to Peloton now, where it's like, no, you don't have a Peloton. Well, what are you, what are you? Yeah. So there's a lot of signaling. Yeah, there's a lot of signaling, which but I think that's very powerful. And I think the... I don't know if I'm... I might be helicopterish there. No, I don't know if I'm bearish or bullish, but I think so. Peloton makes sense for cities because of the lack of ability to go anywhere. I think once the pandemics are over, people will just like cycle in the nice neighborhood, maybe, or maybe go outside. Like, there's an element of badge to all this stuff, where it's like, oh, I remember that bike that we bought in whatever road. Like, so just before we hold, just before we go on, is can you? hear like background noise in alex's feed stuff or is it just me yeah it's a bit you can is there is there anything that you can do the voice is quite quiet but the um the the fuzz is quite it's like a like yeah like that is that any better yeah i took well i turned off original sound so we'll see but Uh, okay cool Dun, dun, dun. That, <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. Okay. And we're back. So, here's one. Hold on. Okay, were you going to move off Peloton? Yeah. So, but you didn't give your answer, you said bearish. Or, so, I am bearish on Peloton because I believe it will hit a point where it's not the fashionable thing anymore. Now, I don't know if it's in that, like, three, that could be in three years, so it depends what our... Uh, yeah, are we are we short on it now? What, what's the vibe? But yeah, I, I would. Think it won't be about. I think I, I would buy it on the technicals, but I'm but I'm short on the fundamentals. I think, like, it's it's going up now. We may as well ride the wave. But I'm not a long term investor in it. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm bullish. Ooh. I just so I think the market for it is people who so so I, I agree with you, Seth, that it's basically an exercise bike with a screen on it. Like there's nothing magical about that. What's what's 
what really the value that they provide is the is the marketplace between the the trainer or the person delivering the class lots of other people using peloton at the same time and it's pretty much like a live class you can get on at any time as i understand it um and it's, it's also giving like work and fame to the people who are delivering the classes like they're, they're getting very big platforms as a result and, and they're innovating and they're launching other bits of equipment that fit under the peloton brand so i think the market is people who like yeah. in february 2020 were paying for david lloyd or like other similar i don't know what like the international equivalent is they're paying like quite a bit a month for their gym membership they maybe go like two three times a week they use the elliptical they maybe do a bit of like light dumbbell work maybe use the the power plate at the end of their session and they pay like 110 pounds a month for that and when gym shut they, they said you know what like i can just get all this kit home and it looks really nice and it looks really expensive and it's 45 pounds a month instead of a hundred and something pounds a month. And I get a, I get basically get the experience of being in a spinning class. So why would I not buy that? So that, that's why I, I just think they've, they've used the, obviously what's happened in 2020 is like the entry into the market. And I think they'll just keep innovating. I mean, they're a very impressive business and like they, exactly as you said, they've, they've gone beyond the, the specifics of what they do and they're selling the wider picture like the vision of like the same as apple it's like they don't say oh we're selling an mp3 player that has this capacity and does this it's, it's like it's the bigger picture of like we are selling freedom of enjoying music on the go like <laughs> and so yeah. peloton have done that with people who have a high propensity to pay plus the pricing model is you buy this mega expensive thing outright plus you pay a subscription Mm-hmm. to use it yeah well, i think you pay a subscription to use the like the, the streaming service yeah. so you've got the exercise bike regardless and then they've also launched a treadmill looking at their website they've got an app that tracks your tracks something your sleep you've got we've got classes challenges it integrates with apple tv with your chromecast that's pretty good so what were you gonna say ebooks Ooh. oh dear oh dear what, oh dear in what content so, so selling like, ebooks as a as an online fitness coach oh okay as an online fitness coach sorry I went into author mode there oh was yeah like, like ebooks in general I'm a very long yeah, <laughs> So as in, if you're a fitness coach trying to sell an ebook, yeah, bear, big bear, like the sort the sort of bear you don't want to bump into. Black you bear, climb straight up the tree. If you saw, well, well, it is still get you. I think it's still get you. I back the bear. If you went up a tree and there was a the bear I'm thinking of, I don't think you'd be. I still think you'd be okay. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty severe response there. <laughs> like my bear is going to get you, sir, whether he likes it or not. I have a few qualifiers for this to understand because is it a book written by a personal trainer? Is it yeah. just like, like, but is it like a, as in like a James Smith like this is not a life advice book from slags? Is that one, <laughs> or is it like, um, is it more just like, well, his recipes. Where, where, what are you defining as a fitness ebook? Yeah, I see, because it could be anything from 
72 tips for muscle building and being an alpha lion. Yeah. Or it could be like, here's how to make protein cupcakes or. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause like, are we including, are we including recipe books in this? Yeah. I think anything in that format, like a one-off purchase under $50 that has something related to diet and training. So I think the reason why I'll, I'll explain why I said what I said. So I think progressively, I don't know what the stat is, but if you just take YouTube as a platform, more content is uploaded to YouTube per minute than there are minutes. It's like more, there is more content than time and that is happening constantly. So like information is not the problem. Hasn't been for some time. So purchasing a book, like a book, all a book can be is a little sliced fenced off area of information that someone said, Oh, well I've taken in lots of information and this is kind of my summary of that information, but that's still information. And all information is just summary of other information in the fitness industry, generally speaking. So buying an ebook, I think people only really do it once or twice. Like I think they buy an ebook and they think it's the thing, unless of course it's faster fat loss, the tracking bundle or the V taper manual, in which case it's probably the only ebook you ever need to buy. But generally speaking, <laughs> generally speaking, they buy it once and then they're like, ah, oh, like it was a nice, but it's just still sat in my downloads folder or it's still in my phone or whatever. And I haven't really made any progress. I'll get a coach. I'll hire a trainer. I'll go to a class. So that's yeah. why. There's a good point there that, it's a high friction piece of content to, to consume compared to watching a video. Most people will default to the easier thing to consume, but also selling an ebook on its own is you've done a, tr- a single transaction once with a customer. And if it doesn't fit into a larger ecosystem, such as the way that the V taper faster fat loss tracking mm. bundle, for example, mm. fit into a wider ecosystem of maximizing the, um, total client value over time then all you've done is you've kind of blown your load early with a customer and you have no way to follow up with them that's certainly one way i mean one way of doing it the way you described just happens to be like the best way of doing it but yeah it's um it's uh it has to be part of a, part of a bigger system definitely but i feel like alex has got something something to say yeah well so i think as a as a fitness consumer is the market generally using that in the favor of like what they need. And it's a bit of a weird one because I think yes, the abundance of information is a problem for most people at the start of their fitness journey. But like for those who seek, <laughs> for those who seek the knowledge and information, they just get caught in the weeds like 80% of the time. Whereas if you have one book, like for, as a consumer, if you just read one book, like for example, the strength pyramid, or, you know, whatever kind of book if you just read that as a consumer you'd get really good results probably if that was the only thing you consumed I don't know what that means in the context of being bearish or bullish in relation to like how many it's going to sell because I don't think that sells either like I don't think people want like this tiny house solution like you always talk about or like you know I've heard you guys talk about before just doing like two years of pec deck and leg press and like good program but like I don't think anyone has ever (laughs) I love that two years of pec deck and leg press is the program. Yeah. yeah. Just progressively overload with that for two years. Just think you learn a lot about yourself doing two years of that to the buy-in. 
but you're right like the the pyramid books the nutrition one and the um the, the programming or the training one very good the difficulty is they are very very niche in the context of the fitness industry like so niche that and the trouble with it is is it's like you've got to be ready for that information like you've because if you open that book and you're expecting the the 10 best keto recipes and what you get is eric helm's brain <laughs> then like you're gonna reject it and you're gonna yeah. be like no this is, this is bullshit mm. it's worked very well for eric helms because he's got a massive organic following and so it scales very well mm-hmm. if you have a big following you could launch an ebook and you could do all right with it if you don't the number of sales you'll have to make consistently yeah. to doesn't make any sense at all unless it, unless it literally is the best the best book ever on a subject <laughs> yeah I mean that, that's fine like if you back yourself to write the best book ever on a certain topic and just dominate the market in the world but it's a, like the, the pressure on the book so like people read a book normally because the book's nice to read isn't it like it's pleasurable to read the story and or learn about the thing but people buy a fitness book or a fitness product because they want the result. It's like the people buy the drill because they want the hole in the wall, not because they like the drill. It's the same with it's the same with fitness books, really, for the most part. Like so apart from if you're really in the weeds in the fitness industry and someone wants to learn more about a specific topic, generally they're not reading it for the story. So the, there's a quite a lot of pressure on the book to to actually like transform someone. And I think a lot of coaches would agree that there's more to it than just three sets of 10 push pull legs like there's like well the all of the integrating that in someone's life that comes with that that adds the the complexity hello my name is beck i am based in melbourne in australia uh, i run and own bk health and fitness and i have been working with uh, the guys at propane fitness johnny and yousef for almost three months now so now since starting to work with johnny and yousef i run a free 14 day challenge to get people into my business and get paying clients so the first one that i ran of this i did is completely organic promotion so i basically just posted on instagram and on my stories and things like that um, and i converted from that free challenge i converted 26 percent of those leads into clients and now i am running paid traffic to the 14 day challenge funnel um, and i'm getting leads at a much cheaper price than i ever thought i would be able to thanks to the ads course that is within propane business so now not only do I have a funnel that I know I can put leads in the top and it's going to spit clients out the bottom, I'm also still profiting on that funnel even after the ad spend. So for the past few years, I have wanted to leave my full-time job and really do this online coaching thing full-time. But with the systems and the way I was trying to get leads into my business, it just looked like it was never going to happen. But now after just being with Johnny and Yousef for three months, I'm probably only about two or three months away from actually being able to leave my full-time job. So I 110% recommend doing the propane business course you will absolutely make your investment back um, by implementing the things that are in the course and johnny and yousef aren't two people that are sitting there going yeah you can do 20k months within your first month and you can live in a mansion and you can build a six-figure fitness business they're actually teaching you something that is tried and tested and that they have done before and really i guess giving you all of their knowledge um, of how you can run your business and they will also help you along the way with anything that you're struggling with but along with this i find a lot of these sort of courses that i have seen online before 
before just teach you the selling part and just teach you getting people into your business. And a lot of the time that is one-on-one sales calls, which you can obviously only do so many of in a week. But Johnny and Yusef actually teach you how to build those systems and how to coach people correctly once they are in your business to make sure that you're not trading time for money. So a huge thank you to Johnny and Yusef for everything that I have learned through doing this course so far. And I can't wait to see what else I'm going to achieve um, as I continue with propane. Did you say TikTok, Yusuf? TikTok, below bear. I think like I'm I'm bearish just because I think none of these apps last for a very long time anyway. But short term, from what I've seen of TikTok, so I get sent from lots of different people more TikTok, whatever they call clips, than any other platform. And every single one's really good. I have a question for you then. You've been sent loads of TikToks. Have you ever opted into one? Have you ever seen one and gone, ah, right, I'll opt into this person's funnel? So when I say I get sent TikToks, I get sent like one clip of someone's TikTok. Yeah. As it, do you mean like, oh, do I see like, oh, wow, that was so interesting. That was so interesting. I want to find out more and sign up no. for their email list no. or buy their product. No, so definitely that's not. a bit of a red flag, isn't it? It's great for... I think like what TikTok f- seems to me to be is is what like social media could have been, which is just everything on there is really funny and just like makes you laugh, makes you smile. Pure, pure entertainment. It is not. Yeah. It doesn't exist outside of that. It's like so here's some dopamine. Piss off. That's like, <laughs> I don't think it's anything else. Uh, Alex, I think you've basically written the ultimate tagline for TikTok. Here's some dopamine. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> the difficulty they're going to face is, so I think you can run ads on TikTok, I think. But like what, what happened at Instagram was it was it was that, where it was kind of nice things to look at, but then obviously they've got to monetize it, they've got to make a revenue. So then suddenly it's like some interesting stuff with also annoying ad, annoying ad, annoying ad, annoying ad. And then it, it starts to move more in that direction. And I think it's TikTok. We're going to have to navigate that somehow. Yeah, and most people don't move off TikTok if they're like the behavior is they go on. They even if they see something that's exceptional, maybe they'll bookmark it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to go to the link in the bio, opt in. Like m- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm I'm the granddad here, and you know maybe that's what the ebook comes in. Fangled thing will never work, but. <laughs> No, so, so I think it would only make so TikTok would only make sense for impulse buys. I don't think you're buying anything that you can get to from TikTok. Does that make sense? Like I think like if AliExpress type purchases, you mean? Exactly, literally the jaw enhancer. Like, I think mm. that's genuine TikTok buy. I'm like, well, oh, fuck it, yeah, it's quite quick. Why not? Yeah, that's true. I think that's so that's where it's commercialization of it because otherwise, there's no like, don't really. I guess not. I'm not. I'm not on TikTok the platform, so I don't know if you do tell a story about the people that you follow. Like, I don't know if you're like, oh, look, this is Nige doing his funny dances. I, I don't know if it gets any deeper than that. I don't imagine it does, but that's just sort of the way that it works. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the lower priced stuff that someone could buy in a second, like if you saw an influencer with some sweatpants that you liked, maybe you're going to buy them, or like, you know, some knee sleeves. Maybe that's something, but I don't think as a personal trainer, there's any ability. I don't know. That seems to be what the market is pointing to, isn't it? Like 
people with large followings recurrently seem to promote products that they that they use or are paid to use um you very rarely see them sell a, a program or something and maybe that's just because like the if you have a million followers like they're probably like to have that to reach that number of people you're probably being followed because of the ease of access and the easiest way to like appeal to lots of people is sex appeal and so the all the like top fitness influencers tend to not have great information but they're just they've got very kind of aesthetic profiles and so as a result they're not going to convert very well to buying a cerebral program but they'll convert great for like a, a drink or a, you know a type of shoe or something that's really simple and what was that dopamine and piss off that's the model and like you know a fat burning pill is just a hit of like oh my god yes finally right twenty dollars yeah I think it's just that it's like a machine of that of programming for that again and again and again there we go next one protein bars these are good I'm did you just, did you just google best things to use on bear bull podcast yeah <laughs> protein bars i feel like they're it feels like they're reaching their peak there's so many at this point like i remember when back in my day you didn't used to be able to just go into like so i, I can remember when boots and Tesco started stocking protein bars. Oh, it was God. massive. Do you remember, like, the version one protein bars in, like, 2002? 2000, well, like, 2005, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, really basic, really horrible, flavourless, like, dense. Yeah. And... Max Muscle Pro Max protein bars, taking them on holiday, trying to get my protein up, because you couldn't really take protein powder on a plane. And just terrible for your digestion. Really bad. Chalky. Really bad. Yeah. So they're pretty nice now, but then like, so I was looking the other day actually on uh, my protein. Is my protein international now? Does anyone know? It must yeah. be. So, because again, back in my day <laughs> and back in Eustace day, my protein used to be, they used to just have single ingredient powders. So like waxy maize, starch, fine oats, casein, dextrose, and you used to make your own blend and on my protein. we're giving people too much responsibility here. Because like... <laughs> Because people like, like you and I took the mic. <laughs> you could choose the ratios. You could just make a blend of like, right, I want 80% arginine ethyl ester, 10% beta-alanine, and 5% oats. Like, just something mental. And now they've got Eddie Hall promoting their like gut gummies and their multivitamin gummies. But I looked at their protein bar range and it's insane. They've got so many, but so much of it's just like gelatin, soy, like nutritionally, technically it has more protein in than a Mars bar, but it's not much better. And it's not nicer than a Mars bar. Like a Mars, it's hard to be nicer than the actual chocolate bar. So I don't know. I feel like they're at the point now where you can't, there's not really an angle remaining. Like maybe the big, the big ones will stay like quest and grenade and like the people who've been doing it for, for a long time. But I think over time, I think they'll get, less and less attention yeah people are so deluded like oh my god it's so tasty it's so nice and you're like no it, it just take a step back it's not like if 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 you said to someone do you want as you said like a snickers bar or a, a grenade power what are they called power push bar or something <laughs> yeah power push 
Yeah. Now, I'm going to fuck up your world. There is a Mars protein bar. I know. You ever had it before? How do you feel about that? It's not as nice as a Mars bar. It'll be 70% as nice if, if they did it really well. Let's look up the Long ingredients texture. of a Mars protein bar and let the doctor <laughs> discuss it. Um... Really difficult to. Um... Big Farmer doesn't want you to know. The Big Farmer and his. Here we go. So, oh, he's just going to be upset. Everyone ready for an upset look? Okay. So, ingredients protein blend, which is 39%, in f- open parentheses, hydrolyzed collagen. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. So, soy protein isolate. Oh, God. And then we, then it gets better. Milk protein isolate, skim milk powder, whey protein concentrate. Like, why bother? Because I bet it's like two quid or three quid for the for a bar. So a box of 12 off Amazon is 20 quid. Do you, you know what's a great hack by Nick Walsh, who was on the podcast about 30 episodes back, is that Mars bar ice creams are the same size but have fewer, like, lower calorie density than Mars bars themselves. And I think they're nicer. Wow. You may as well. Wow. Right. Can I order them online? It's ice cream, isn't it? Does I get it from Asda. They're so good. They are They are possibly the best ice cream. Maybe I'm so Twix. excited. Twix ice cream is pretty good. Right? Twix, okay. Yeah, it's really... So, ice cream's great, isn't it? Across the board. So, okay. Are you bull or bear, like, you know, the low-calorie ice cream, fitness ice cream? So I, I eat quite a lot of that. Oh, man, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Someone sold you such details on the, on the black market. <laughs> I'm just going to take this call. <laughs> He's been called during this afternoon four times. He's saying now, I'm just on a call at the minute. So, fitness ice creams. I wow. I quite like them. I eat quite a lot of them. I think Halo Top is trash. Really? Why? It just tastes like it tastes like a suggestion of ice cream. Like, like, I really don't agree. Have you tried it recently? Your exact argument for Mars bars versus protein bars comes into full effect here. No, it doesn't. I think it's seventy percent as nice. I don't, I don't so think- I'll explain. I'll explain why. I'll explain why. So, the problem, the trouble with, <laughs> the trouble with, the protein bar and the, and the <laughs> So if you if you if you have like three hundred calories, gets to the end of the day, you're you're at a petrol station. You're at a petrol station, and you, you think I've got three hundred calories left. I'm going to get something. If you get a Mars bar or a Mars bar protein bar, the calories will almost be exactly the same, if not identical. There'll be a slight shift towards protein in the Mars protein bar, but most of that's coming from stuff that you can't synthesize anyway. So just get the Mars bar, right? You'll not get any additional... You might get slightly more satiety from the Mars bar protein bar, but not by much. The halo top problem, if you want to eat ice cream, right, to have like two... So let's say you go and buy some like Haagen-Dazs, like really nice, like, toffee fudge ice cream two scoops of that and you're into the hundreds of calories 
a tub of that, it's a thousand calories. Whereas a tub of Halo Top is less than 400. In some cases, less than 300. So actually, Halo Top becomes a, becomes a, becomes a competitive product. transition I've ever heard. What do you mean? Less than 300. It is. It is. So Halo Top's actually something that you could have instead of a Mars bar. The only downside, I think, of all this is that when you consume low-fat products or like low-calorie versions of products, I think it trains you over time to think that eating a tub of ice cream is like a is an acceptable thing to do. It is. And so why you living in shame, you see. Well, so what what happens then is that you go, oh well it's low calorie, so I'll just eat the whole tub. And then when you go back to eating normal ice cream, you can't just go get away with having like a little bit. And then you just you never I think go that's back. it. That's yeah. assuming that like so I think if you if you just track your calories as a principle, you just never have that problem. Because you would never just accidentally eat the entire like I've stopped dieting now. Better get the better get the the, the Ben and Jerry's out. The oh thing. God! But it's, it's not going to feel satisfying because you're so used to having. A so that tub. that argument at a at, at a high level is like you shouldn't when you're dieting you shouldn't use high volume diet foods because it trains you to want to feel like mechanically full all the time and it you yeah, end up eating these pretty weird which i think is easy to say when you're not dieting yeah true <laughs> i think like you you're right like if you're used to just like having two kilos of cauliflower and really trying to hit all those spots then you you just get used to a certain bulk of food don't you but i think it's something that like so I, I suppose I am more for the the low calorie ice cream stuff because ice cream is so high calorie. Um, that whereas like the adding protein and, and also to be uh, well anyway, how I see Halo Top is not really as a protein food. I think they do technically claim it's slightly higher protein, and I think it is, but it's not like that's not the angle. It's not got protein slapped all over it. Whereas a Mars protein bar is. And it's kind of doing it, and also it's almost a bit of a con, really, claiming to be a protein bar. Mm. Normalized. I feel quite strongly about this. It, it's gratuitous as well, isn't it? Like, th- there's no need for it to have that many calories in. Like, I don't think it. The the taste to calorie ratio is not. It's the same as Greg's. Like, if you're bulking oh, and you're really poor. What's this, Alex? Greg's is amazing. I don't know. I, well, so we don't have Greg's in America, so I miss Greg. It it is amazing if you're looking for like the maximum calories per pound that you can get. Actually, no biscuits are better for that. So yeah, biscuits are pretty. Well, we, we used to know granola, a pack of digestives and a pot of honey before bed, just as is like part of his evening snack. Gotta hit the macros, don't you? Granola is the king, the king of all high calorie, no ridiculous space foods. Granola. You could easily put away a box of granola and not really know what's happened until you check the box, check the back of the packet, and you're like, what have I done? Yeah. Not only have I gone over my calories for the day, I've gone over my calories for the week, <laughs> maybe the next 10 days. What is the most efficient calorie to taste ratio in your eyes, Yusuf? Cauliflower is the one I. Um, that I gravitate to because when I was when I was pancreas lean 
I was I was getting through two kilos of cauliflower a day. But is that is that I think what Alex is asking is like the taste to the calorie amount like the when is the trade-off like at its best so like something's got is that right alex is that what you're asking or have i have i put words yes, in your mouth perfectly do you okay. want maximum taste lowest calories you want the point yes. at which they what, intersect what's the best score yeah. so like you can always trade better taste but it's the calories are, are more ridiculous and then equally i don't think anyone thinks like oh god i just love a bowl of cauliflower do they? oh i see so where, maybe where you the do optimal point I think we'd need to plot a curve and it would be where the satiety index overlaid onto like a, just a pure taste index. So and that's, that's it. Where's that? Top point. Where's that? And what is that for you? Mm. I want to say it's something like sourdough bread. Sourdough bread's lovely. To be honest, <laughs> I am great. Who the who are you two? I know what? we're such hipsters. <laughs> I, seriously though, like like really nice toast. It's all it's like, like it's not that high calorie, but it's really nice, isn't it? Toast. Blueberries, very low calorie. Blueberries. What's, what's on your toast? Genuinely, really nice. Well, that's where things start to potentially go awry if you're not careful. Go awry. Awry. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, not rye bread. I'm not a lunatic. Okay, so sourdough. Uh, oh, What's wrong with sourdough? Why? Because it's too like hipster cafe. No, it's not even too hipster. It's just bread. I don't. I don't think you're getting without the calories added by topping. I don't think you're getting an elite level food with sourdough. That upsets me. So what's yours? Um, Pressure's on here, Alex. You have got to deliver something pretty sensational here. I think chicken with a good sauce, with like a Nando sauce. That's pretty high up there for me. Because Nando sauce is not particularly calorific. It's like Do you got have a Nando's bit. in the states. No, but they sell the sauce in the supermarkets. So That's you can like make a mock Ooh, version. So, so a Publix, Publix is a supermarket here. But any any kind of Caesar salad chopped kit with a carved bit of chicken breast and some Nando sauce with the Caesar salad. It's about four hundred calories for a massive bowl. But no Caesar dressing. No, there's a little bit of Caesar, but it's the Caesar light dressing, and it doesn't have... Okay. It's 400 in total. It's a very good move. I did it when I was fast, because I, I put on some pandemic weight, and then using, using the 28-day shred, um, I lost like 20 pounds, or 10 kilos in... What a great program. Who's, whose program's that? Oh, it's, it's, it's these guys called Propane Fitness. They're a bit weird. Nice. They're like sourdough, but... Program. <laughs> <laughs> what about, like, sirloin... Or like rump steak, like a really nice steak. I feel like the calories aren't that bad on that. Like a lean bit of beef, nicely fillet. prepared. Like fillet is it's lean, isn't it? But it's super expensive, super high, high end. But it's pretty satiating, isn't it? Yeah, fine. I think I think you've nailed it there. Beef it is. Sorry, Alex. Can, Alex can have his salad, and Yusuf and I will just have steak all the time. <laughs> We've totally gone off track here. Where did this go? Halo top. Bull. Yeah, so we did. What are you? Are you two are bearish on it, aren't you? I think I'm uh, on balance. I'm bullish just because I'm bearish on ice cream as a whole. I think it's just it's wasteful calories. Wow, for what it is, it's nice, but well, no. So I think in a context of like Ben and Jerry's, that's true. But most of your like bog standard ice cream is not as aggressive as Ben and Jerry's is from a calorie perspective. I think yeah, by falling into the Ben and Jerry's wormhole. 
immediately like treble the amount of calories and you're like, well, how is this 1500? Yeah. When you're making like half the tub caramel and cream yeah. as well as the ice cream just to Whereas like your Morrison, content. Morrison's one pound tub is probably the same amount, but like five times as... Yeah. There's nothing more disappointing than having a meal that wasn't that nice but was really high in calories. Like yeah. I had a hospital canteen doner kebab on Thursday and it was the worst decision I've ever made in my life. Truly terrible. It was like tinned meat. And it was it was the FOMO that caught me out. Like it was fish and chip day, so they had really nice like big cod battered. And I was like, oh but I've had that before. I haven't tried this thing. I'll just give it a try. First bite, you're like, um, should I just go back and buy the fish and ditch this? Then you don't want to waste food, so you're stuck. So if you ever if you ever go for dinner with me and Yusuf, we have two very different approaches to restaurant selection, which often causes problems. So I, when I find somewhere I like, I'm happy to just go back there over and over again. And part part of that's fueled by like having an having a nut allergy, and I don't want to like go into uncharted territory because it adds a, lo- a layer of stress. It's not worth the pleasure from the variety. Whereas Yusuf is driven above all else at all costs by wanting to try something that he hasn't tried before. And he doesn't care if occasionally that means he has something terrible because it's the, it's the one in a hundred shot that lands him on the thing, like the granola that he has a medical addiction to. It's like, Oh, they've got an ostrich risotto. Like I've got to try that. It might be the nicest thing I've ever had. Kangaroo burger. Okay. Like, (laughs) that was all still here at the top, wasn't it? I was, I was trying to work out what. <laughs> still within the context of Halotop and calories. We've gone down a food wormhole here. So, bearish or bullish on restaurants? <sighs> bullish. I think that they're going to have a great six months as soon as lockdown opens. Yeah, they're all like all fully booked and ready. I mean, any restaurant that's been ready for Uber Eats and Deliveroo this year has killed it. Well, a lot, a lot of restaurants have had to adapt. So, like the so Coop, where we go in Newcastle a lot. Have you ever had a takeaway from there? You sir? No. It's brilliant. So they've 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 adapted Coop to be able to take. Um, oh no, delivery. I have. You have. Yeah. I think it's great. So like it arrives hot, in in proper packaging. Yeah. And that's happened because of because of lockdown. They've had they've like had to do foil, that foil foil lined bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, even the packaging technology has improved mm-hmm. greatly. Yeah. So bullish, Alex bullish. I like it's weird here in, in old Florida. It's such a like strange world. Like the what you imagine America to be massive plazas of fame. It is that where I am, basically. Um, then obviously in New York, it's incredibly different. And I don't know. If, I, I think it's going to depend from city to city on the state of commercial real estate, which is a bit of a bit of a, rab- a rabbit hole to go down. But like, I think here it's a bit of a weird one. Things in New York, it has been very like individual, but so many restaurants closed over the course of the last year. Um, I don't know if the ones that survive are due for a massive influx, which I imagine it's probably that. So I, I, I'd be, but I don't know long term what that looks like because of the way that 
happened quite a change of the pandemic. So I'm gonna go with bullish, a, ten, a tentative bull, a nervous one. I think that's the question, isn't it? Like how comfortable are people going back to normal? And how quickly will they, how long will it take people to go fully? But I think Yusuf's right. Like there'll be a crazy period of time when things go back open again. But are people more used to getting takeaways now? Is that more, is that more normal? I was wondering and, about this recently. Like has a year of lockdown been enough to permanently alter people's behaviours and psychological traits? Like has it made people more reclusive and less willing to to do stuff with other people? Or has it made people like bursting to go out and, like, I think it's quite give each other chlamydia. <laughs> yeah, it depends, depends what lockdown's been like for you, I guess. Like, if you've not had a nice experience of it, you probably just want it to be over. But I imagine some people have probably quite enjoyed if their job has allowed them to work from home and things like that. I think that affords, affords some advantages. Like, if you have but, a yeah. family. And also, you want to get out of the house, away from the family. You know what I mean? Like, if you have, like, young kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, so it's tentatively bullish on restaurant, which I know is away from fitness. Powerlifting. Actually, no, I'll do CrossFit first. CrossFit, Irish or British? Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I think, like, do we mean the training style or the brand? Um, <laughs> the training style. We'll go training style versus the brand. bullish on its profitability for sure but bearish on the training style very good for people who don't have a fitness goal and what but have this kind of sense of just wanting to do something that's really hard and compete in something and feel like they've really sweated Um, but it is by definition totally directionless so I think the way that our, our brains work like we don't really like to do things unless there's a some kind of results that we're looking to get out of it. Um, so I'm bearish personally because it just doesn't. Like, I just can't see where it would fit in. Yeah, not anywhere. So it's difficult because I, I mean, I I was always like really nervous to express an opinion when I'd never done it before because I, I hate when people do that. Now I feel like I've I gave it a proper go. Um, and obviously I'm not still doing it. But you're well qualified to, like, you, you gave it a real shot. Yeah, I think I did it for six months, and I did the open. I, like, part, I part, part, took part in. Partook, partooked. Yeah, I, I took part in the open. Um, and it is, I think my my overriding thought when I think of the experience was just how difficult it was. Constantly. Like, every session for me was just right on the red line of kind of what I'm capable of, of doing, which takes its toll. Um, even just psychologically, like I would spend the rest of the day just like, <sighs> shattered. Um, yeah. I think there's, there was quite when it, from the people I spoke to, and this was a, like a really good gym where the coaching staff are really good. And they put a lot of thought into it. There was just a lot of injuries. There was a lot of people kind of nursing something, getting back from an injury or in some cases like injuries that put them out forever. Um, and I think it does uh, it does open up for that for for people who you know you come in as you sort of says like you you want to get you want to train and before you know what you're doing like almost gymnastics and like throwing heavy weights around people injure themselves um, so I think probably 
I think there'll always be that kind of like group training, like tribal thing with maybe an aspect of competition. But I think if you look there's at how like religiosity to it, isn't there? yeah, yeah, and like it's 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 definitely fun taking part in the class and training as a team. But if you look at how like Matt Fraser trains, he's not just turning up and doing the like the wad every day. He's he's putting a lot of thought into how his trainings. Where he's retired, but like when he was competing, there was a lot of thought into it. It wasn't completely scattered and random. So I think probably the sport will continue and it probably continue to do really well because of the attention it draws. But I think training wise, it'll probably have to change long term. Might might annoy some people with this. Bearish or bullish on being annoyed. <laughs> I'm joking. So and then so next question, powerlifting. Bearish or bullish? In, ter- in terms of global participation, and I guess like the similar metric that you were using to measure um, CrossFit. So I think like it's hard to be, it's hard to have a stance on like squat, bench, deadlift because they've been around quite a long time. Um, and they're involved in sports that aren't just powerlifting. So I think the tra- way to, like training for powerlifting or probably like getting stronger on main compound lifts will probably always be there in some capacity. Um, I think there's a lot of federations. There's a lot of like controversy in some federations at the moment with decisions people are making. Um, and uh, some of them aren't ready for the influx of membership that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for now I'm bullish on it. I think the, the the membership rates are still going up, and I think the numbers people are lifting are still going up. So I think until that plateaus, I'm I'm bullish. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a few things that the federations need to iron out, but it's going to become an Olympic sport within ten years, and it's going to like the standard is just getting ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's always the the I think everyone has this like inner curiosity of like oh, but what if they just let go of all restrictions around drug use and we just see this freak show of like how much can we push the human body to just do something crazy um which would be interesting to see but it would also make the sport a very weird experience i think those federations while they don't like necessarily advertise it as that there are federations where they'll use um you know squat squat suits like triple ply squat suits knee wraps people are clearly People are clearly on drugs. They're using like mono racks. They don't have to walk the bar out. They're using deadlift bars with loads of flex in them. It's just absolute paying lip service to the the rules and yeah, it's like pa- parallel is where your where your hip joint is rather than where your, your your hip crease is and all these kinds of like vague interpretations of the rules. But like, are the best powerlifters in those federations? You know what happens when you take the guy who wins IPF Worlds and says, "Have I made?" <laughs> Like take the top male female competitors in I- in the IPF and just no limits. Assuming they're not already doing that, I don't think they are. But I think some people probably think they do. Oh, there we go. Well, I think Should we we could keep do- doing this for days. Literally, couldn't we? Well, a lot yeah. Of- so I, th- I think if you're listening, please let us know any bull bear topics, and we will tear them apart. <laughs> Whether it be ice cream or restaurants, what else have we done? AliExpress, jaw exercises, haircuts, uh, powerlifting, protein haircut. bars, TikTok, Pilates, ebooks. God, what a list. Are we going to write very soon? 
Yes, we will. Bear Bell Rose. The, the Bear Bell Club. Right? It's me recording, isn't it? I always forget it's me recording. Bye. Everyone say bye. 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 <laughs> Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.